Hello again, all you dads and dads to be out there. It is Davo here for another episode of the Fearless Fathers Podcast, the podcast designed to break the generational traditions that no longer serve you so you can become a better dad, husband, and just a human being for yourself and your family. It's Davo here today. I gave Ryan the week off because, uh, well, Ryan and who cares? Who really cares? So, But we have an awesome guest on the show today. This is actually our second female ever. We had Don Barclay on about a month and a half ago. Yeah, yeah, you didn't know. That's right. Today, we have Carol Silver with us. She is the creator of the Hollywood Sports Moms podcast. It's a weekly podcast that gives special guests covering celebrities, athletes, parenthood, infertility, cancer, karma, and other curveballs in life. I like the curveball stuff. You know me as the deep thinker over here. Curveballs. Carol's creative career spans over two decades, 20 years. I mean, I'm 32. She, she's been doing this 20 uh, years. I'm so a little bit older. We're, 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 we're going to age ourselves a little bit here. <laughs> she's been in t- television development, production, writing, special events. She worked at ESPN, hosting a, or creating a dream, the Dream Job show for over three years. And later on, went to do many other shows and specials. So, Carol. Congratulations on being the second female ever. Uh, Welcome to the show. Finally, we got to shake things up, guys. We got it. So we are actually recording this episode a little bit differently today because (laughs) Carol's PC decided not to really work. Well, she has a Mac, so obviously it's going to fail anyway because it's (laughs) Mac. So we we had a bunch of issues, but now we are kicking it right. This is my very first time doing a Zoom meeting interview recording. So not only are you the second female, but you're the first time that's forcing me to use Zoom. So thank you for that. All right, that's a little special. I'll take it. It is. It is. So today on this episode, guys, if you haven't looked at the title or even had the read the description, this one's going to be a very, very fearless fathers esque special. Uh, We are going to be talking very deep about infertility and how that affects moms and their life. But not only that, but how we as dads could help cope with the whole strategies. And the issues that come with infertility, miscarriage, stillbirth, all of that stuff. I mean, we, we've talked about this on the show quite a bit. We've shared my experiences. I've shared some experiences about friends going through this. So this one is obviously very near and dear to my heart. Uh, this one is also very near and dear to Carol's heart. And she shares this on her podcast, which I highly recommend you check that out. So Carol, I just want to kick into this a little lighthearted before we go. Yes. I understand you do have a little one as well now. Everything is. I do. He's napping. He is napping. I wish I could say the same thing right now. Let me tell you. <laughs> to kick this yeah. off, we do this with our dads, so I want to do this with you. What is one of your fav- funniest memories that you have with your child? Oh, gosh. With my child? Uh, I thought you were going to say with your dad, so I was like, oh, you oh. threw me for a loop there. Uh, uh-huh. uh, um, you know, I probably one of them is I, I work in sports, and – I produce a red carpet, big sports red carpet show every year. And when he was about five, six months, we took him on the red carpet just to like, you know, he was all dressed up. He had on, you know, he had a pocket square and a suit. He's six months old, right? My husband's holding him and my husband's like introducing him to everyone. I mean, John Elway, like, I mean, just anyone, the owner of the Chiefs. And that's the year they won the Super Bowl. 
he's like interviewing him. I mean, introducing him to everyone. And the look on my kid's face is like, I don't give a shit. Like, I want a bottle. <laughs> it's so great. And like, John always looking at him like, hey, buddy. Like, with this big smile. And my kid's like, oh, whatever. Like, who the hell are you? I don't care. Totally. I, I don't. It just shows you. Like, they're just so innocent. They don't give a shit. Meanwhile, everyone else it. is like, oh, my gosh, your kid met this one and this one. But then it was funny because he didn't cry. My, my kid was just like, I don't care who any of you people are. But he the the guy from shark tank okay. um mr wonderful is yeah. that his name the mean yeah. one he came up the only time my son burst into tears <laughs> so, <laughs> it, was, it was like so and, and he even started laughing whatever his name is mr wonderful he started laughing because he's like shit like even the kids are freaked out by me six months old but yeah he was my son was cool the whole time except he just caught a vibe like yeah I, i'm not i'm not cool with you Kevin O'Leary, if you ever happen to listen to this episode, there you go. That that I have photos of it, by the way. I have photos. It's great. Yeah, Yeah, him bursting out in tears, like, get me away from this guy. I don't like his face. He scares me. He (laughs) says he's wonderful. He's not. I don't like him, mom. Meanwhile, he's with all these like huge linebackers and they're goo goo gone. He's like, Yeah, what's up? Like my son's just yeah, the Miami, the (laughs) University of Miami cheerleaders are holding him. My son's like, What's up? Like just nothing (laughs) phased him. Like this child. It is crazy that like at six months they start building that personality and they just don't even care. They, they just they have no care. care. Give they me my bottle. Yeah. yeah. My kid's going to be four in September and he's just like, he has the personality of me and that scares the ever living shit out of me because I know who I am and it absolutely drives me you're up like, a wall. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, there's going to be two of us. Yeah. The, there, there's two of us. My wife's already like, I hate both of you. I hate both <laughs> of you. I don't know what to do anymore. I can't do it. There's no hiding for her. I know. <laughs> there's absolutely no hiding for her. But outside of giving John Elway the stink eye, flipping off linebackers, and yeah. um, crying from Mr. Wonderful, we're obviously talking a lot of different stuff here today. Yeah. Uh, particularly the infertility aspect of things. Yep. So I just want to um, give our listeners a little bit, if they don't know who you are, kind of what you do, and kind of just a little bit of a snapshot on your journey. I know you shared it on your podcast. I've been listening to it. We talked about that off the air a bit. But just give us a little bit of kind of where that roadmap came from and kind of what what was going on? No, with the infertility stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, listen, I, the one thing I always wanted to be was a mom. I knew it. You know, people look at me like, oh, you're, you're a career girl. And I, I hate being called that. I don't know why. I guess there's a little piece of me that always knew first and foremost, I wanted to be a mom. And, um, you know, ever since I was a young girl, like my friends all thought I'd be the first married. I'd be, you know, like it's just, that's how it was. And then, I guess, you know, I did start working and enjoying it. It truly, I didn't put off marriage intentionally. I just was living in New York City forever. And people think New York's the best city in the world. I'm a New Yorker. You know, it is. For dating, it sucks. I know very few women who end up meeting their husband in New York. If you're, are you going to say you met your wife in New York? I'll oh, absolutely. Right I'm, a, I'm actually a Yankees fan, but I actually live in Northeast PA. So there you go. So that, that's why we're awesome oh. already. Ooh, yeah. this, there's a lot to unload there. But anyway. There is. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, my first love was Dave Rigetti. In fact, I have him on my wall, just like you have someone on your wall. But anyway. Um, I love Derek that's Peter. Way, that's say? way before your time. Is, is Rigetti before your time? Just a little bit before my oh time. My I'm, gosh, I'm, I'm a Jeter. So pathetic. I, I'm a very pathetic man. Yeah, I'm a Jeter guy. <laughs> Jeter, Williams, all of them. Okay. Someday I have a good Derek Jeter story, I'll tell you. But, um, but you know, I was into, um, you know, whatever I was searching I just ended up with guys who broke my heart you know it's the whole thing um and then I did not meet my husband till I was 35 so by the time we did the whole song and dance like is this going to be right you know 
got engaged, I don't know, 37-ish, and then got married at 39. So I kind of knew I was up against the clock fertility-wise. Um, but my sister and my mom had both had kids, you know, very easily, like, no prob, first shot, right when they were in their late 30s. And, you know, for my mom, that's going back to the 70s. And, yeah, so it, it was always kind of like, oh, I must be fine. And I just wasn't. And, you know, that's the first thing about fertility is, you can look at your family dynamic. You can look at your health. Like people would say to me, well, you know, you know, I probably won't have a problem because I'm physically fit and I work out of the gym. It has nothing to do with anything. Um, and I wish we knew why some women um, have issues and others just don't. I mean, I, I know of women who had really bad uh, health issues, you know, um, I don't want to say brought upon themselves, but you know, like mm -hmm. right in, in younger years, and right. Then you would think, oh boy, you know, their body was put through a lot. They might have a hard time conceiving. Got pregnant first time, you know, age forty. And then there's me, you know, who I did everything right. You know, I ate well, I exercised, I didn't sleep around, I went for my exams every year you know, never had a problem in any respect. Yeah. And so you just don't know, you know, it's kind of surprises you and comes out of nowhere. But um, so that's where we were. So we, you know, started this journey when I was about 39 and a half and all in all, I mean, it was all my uh, problem, you know, and um, yeah. So we went through 10 IVFs and um, six miscarriages and two, um, surrogates who were lovely. Um, and the second one, um, was able to carry our, our little guy who's in the other room. So we were running out of embryos and <laughs> it was, I look back and I, I gotta say, Dave, like, I don't know how I got through. And people have asked me that. And I, I, I think like working in sports and just my, you know, I'm from New Jersey, New York, like my mentality is always win, win, win. Like I'm not going to lose. Um, and that's, the zone I must have been in, but certainly looking back, um, I don't know. And I, I want to just say one thing too. When I, um, you know, people knew what I was going through, you know, bits and pieces. Sure. But when I, when I taped those three episodes on my Hollywood sports mom uh, podcast, I put a big note on Facebook, which is to, you know, all your high school friends, your college friends, family. And I explained, you know, the summary of what I've gone through. And I said, my show's coming up and here's a quick snippet. I sent that post and felt sick to my stomach. Like I felt like, like I was naked standing in Times Square. And I think it was, I don't know. I even told my friend, I'm like, I've, I've dealt with this for 10 years. And I'm, I'm fine. I'm a warrior. I'm powering it. It was something about the vulnerability, I guess, of admitting to everyone. Here's what I've been through, even though it's all successful. It yeah. just PTSD is real. That's what I'm saying. You know, like what it stays with you. It really does. Carol, I want to first thank you for sharing your story for, not just me, because I obviously I've listened to it, but to everybody who hasn't listened to it yet. And, you know, we had a guest a long time ago and he said, the biggest strength is your vulnerability. And I always believed in that statement since I started talking to him. So first and foremost, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for that. Oh, um, thank you. Because this is you're absolutely right. This is something that sh this shit does not get talked about. And I am completely over the fact that this shit does not get talked about. Thank you. You brought up the idea that you've been surviving this. You've been you've been pushing it. You were on your last last embryos, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it just finally hits, and you have this wonderful son. And 
it, it just makes your heart happy. And you've wanted this since you were a child. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in my sense since I was like 14, I wanted to be a dad. That's all I ever wanted to do was be a dad. And, you know, our situation, we only had one miscarriage. And, mm-hmm. But the, the fact of the matter remains is that this is so common, yet we feel so stigmatized and tabooed when we decide to talk about this shit. Yeah. And you know, no, absolutely. And I think it was interesting. The comments I got when I sent that first post kind of telling everyone the shows are coming up. A lot of women I know had gone through their own stuff and they're like, thank you so much for talking about this. And I will say, I now have a packed schedule. I mean, every week someone wants to talk to me and it's fine. Like, cause I, I sort of feel like, I guess it goes along the quote you just said, what it was it? your vulnerabilities, your greatest strength. Yep. Um, I feel like I'm always an open book. Like I don't, I don't know. I feel like maybe God or fate or karma put me on this terrible journey. Or if, if I had to go on this journey, then why shouldn't I help someone else? You know what I mean? I feel like almost a responsibility to say like, you're not alone. And I went through hell and back. I mean, I almost could have died at one point. Like, and I, I'm here and I have a beautiful baby and he's the baby I was meant to have. Um, He's, you know, beyond special and hysterical and funny. And I often say too, like he's got my New Yorker spirit. I always say (laughs) like, he knows, I feel like he knows inside his head that the doctors left him, you know, because they choose the embryos based on, Oh, this one looks the best. You know what I mean? I feel like he's pissed off and he's like, you mofos (laughs) left me for last watch me watch. Like, watch what I'm going to do in this world. Like that's his attitude. And I'm like, good. So anyway, yeah, I, I just felt, feel like, yeah, I went through it for a reason. I'm through it now and anything I can do to help anyone. I have a call this week with a girl and I had a 70 year old woman reach out to me and wow. tell me a really touching story about how she lost a baby at like five and a half months. And again, this was, you know, in the seventies and and it almost, I think it brought back some PTSD for her that she thought was so gone. But hearing my story, and of course, that's not the intention, but um, it was really nice to just speak to her, you know, and speak the language of being in this club that none of us want to be in, like yourself, but we end up in. And you're absolutely right. I'm a big believer that the universe works for us, not to us. I think Tony Robbins has said that best many, many times. And when you start looking at that aspect of like, instead of saying the, why is me, why, why do I have to go through this shit? Somebody who's been shooting up or they, they've led the yeah. bad path. They get, they get yeah. pregnant the first time. And I'm, I'm sitting there. I have to go through 10 IVFs, yeah. 10. And I have yeah, to go yeah. through all these surrogates. Why, why, why? Instead of saying, what are you building me up for? Right. What, what is the reason that I need to do this? And right. it, it's so easy though, to fall into that habit and, I think you, I think you shared that a little bit on your podcast of like falling into those ebbs and flows really deep into those ebbs and just being like, is this even worth it? I, I think what, even on the show, uh, was it your husband that said, this is God's vision, not for us to have a baby. That something right. bad's going to happen. Right. Right. Yeah. Like that was the time I, I mean, kind of my life was on the line and basically, uh, you know, we did an IVF and the embryo went it passed by my uterus which is where it's supposed to Mm -hmm. implant i only had one fallopian tube left. it went through the tube into my body implanted on an organ and was growing and they knew it was growing because of my blood numbers and you know i had to have like low dose chemo for a while 
to eradicate the pregnancy or else it would have eradicated me eventually. So right. it was terrible, you know? And at that point he's like, okay, these are such one in a million freak things that keep happening to us. You, we have embryos, but you're not meant to birth a baby. You're just not. And, and I understood that because I believe in those signs and messages too. So um, yeah. And that brought us to, you know, going the surrogacy route, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's wild. And I try, you know, like I, I think, I don't know if you heard this part, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess everyone's allowed to be different and allowed to handle it differently. Um, but I don't understand why it's such a private thing sometimes. Now, maybe if I were younger, you know, but for me, it was like, Hey, listen, I'm 40 now, you know, at this point I'm 42 no surprise i'm right issues right maybe right. if i were a little bit younger i'd feel differently and be like oh i don't want to tell anybody i guess i you know i totally see that so for me i guess that's what gives me the i don't know it's see though i have to i have to go back on that because when we started having our child when we first started i was maybe 24 25 and i just remember we going through the process and it was probably right around the time i got sick with my systemic illness that we had our miscarriage and and I remember going through it and I ended up telling people at work about it like I felt ashamed about the fact that we just went through something so horrific like I, I felt like our world's collapsed I me and my wife we talked about it, but I, I I could barely remember what she felt like at that time yeah. and, and I remember talking to somebody at work about it. he was an older older man and we always hung out and talked sports and I go, man, you know, like I've been out of it. Like we just had a miscarriage and he goes, dude, I've had three of them. Mm -hmm. He goes, it's more common than you think. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It was crazy for me because I believe in that open book philosophy of being genuine, mm -hmm. but saying, Hey, listen, I've gone through some shit. We've all gone through some stuff, mm -hmm. but we could relate here in some aspect or way or another. Mm -hmm. And when he told me that I'm like, that is, it, it blew my mind that it was more common because it never got talked about. Exactly. It 100%. never got talked about. And, mm -hmm. and, that, and that's one of the reasons why we started like a podcast like this and why you go through uh, Hollywood mom sports and all this stuff. It's like, Hey, we need to be able to share this stuff. And yeah. as a dad, I remember waking up numb. I remember waking up numb when my mom, when my wife went through it and I know she was probably 10 times worse. Yeah. And I made the mistake that most dads make of going back to work after five days of dealing with something yeah. so traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm sure you heard it because it was in my first fertility episode, but you know, I was just, um, you know, getting back, back into the, you know, into the mix and trying again and trying again. And, and I went for a consultation to a doctor in Connecticut and I'll never forget this because a friend was using a doctor in Connecticut. I was living in LA at the time. And he spent an hour talking to me about my whole history. And at the end, he said, okay, Carol, here's the thing. And I was happy. I was fine. I was like, here's what happened this time, this time. He said, okay, um, your assignment is to go to a fertility therapist. And I was like, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. I don't need a fertility therapist. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm working. I'm this. I keep busy. He goes, no, no, no. You can't go through the number of times you did and the trauma without talking to a therapist. And so I was like, you know, he goes, I won't even see you until you go to a therapist, like, you know, for a physical examination. And so we're about to hang up. And I was like, listen, you spent so much time with me, you know, like, please let me know, like, have your office contact me, I'll pay you. He goes, I don't want to dime. I just want you to go to a therapist, a fertility therapist. And I mean, there are amazing doctors out there like that, too. 
you know, and there's crappy doctors that I encountered, but oh, that, that was one in Connecticut that I, I'll never forget that he's like, and like, he pushed me there and I ended up not working with him, but he was meant to cross my path for that reason. And, and to your point about grieving, I mean, that's one of the most amazing things I heard from my fertility therapist. She said, listen, you know, you, you lose a baby and people, no one talks about it. And you're just supposed to go back to life. You're supposed to go back to work and you're supposed to go back to family occasions and act like nothing happened. And she said, whereas in any other loss or death, you're allowed to grieve and you go to a funeral and you sit shiva and you, you know, have some sort of celebration or life or whatever. And she said, you, you, you and I, like we're saying, Dave, like you're just meant to stand up and go back to work and act like everything's okay. And it, it's not, you know, and that was one of the most important things she taught me. And she made me do a ritual on my own to say goodbye to the baby. Can, can you, can you share that ritual for our listeners? Yeah. Because I listened to that and it, it actually brought tears to my eyes. I, it, it really did. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's, it's pretty poignant. So she said, listen, you know, and we knew because, you know, we had been testing our embryos, but we didn't know the genders. We never wanted to know the genders, but after we lost two of them, um, and one I got pregnant naturally with, which was a really big surprise. And we were so excited. We're like, it's our miracle baby. And, um, and then, you know, my OBGYN was like, there's, there's no more heartbeat. And it was, you know, like 11 weeks or something. I'm like, that's impossible. Everything's been fine. And so she later, you know, I had to go in for a DNC and she told me that baby, um, had down syndrome and a couple other like issues. And she said the baby was just sick, you know, and wouldn't have made it. Um, so we picked ourselves up, then we did an IVF and that one went ectopic and landed in my one tube. And that was heart wrenching because it, that embryo, I remember my doctor, her, her, she just put her head down and she said, this is such a healthy embryo that it's got a beating heart in your tube, which is pretty rare because a, an embryo needs nutrients from the uterus. And I will tell you, I mean, going to Cedar sinai and having to shut off the heartbeat of a baby I knew that was healthy right there in my tube. It's like, can't medical advancement happen right now? Like, right. just push that baby back down. It's this, it was the worst. It was probably the worst day of my life. And I've been through a lot of <laughs> world events and other things. But um, it was August, August 16th, 2015. Um, I still remember the date. Um, wow. Yeah. But um and so I lost those two babies and we found out they were both boys. So my fertility therapist said, you need to say goodbye to your boys officially. And so she said, you live down in Manhattan Beach and in Manhattan Beach, California, there's a huge, beautiful pier. Everyone hangs out there. It's a big hot spot. She said, why don't you write a letter to each one of your boys um, saying anything you want to say and fold them up and go down to the pier one night at sunset and throw them off the pier. And I knew this was going to be like as strong as I was, I knew this was going to be one of the most emotional nights of my life. And I didn't even want my husband to see it. I told him about it after. So he was out of town on business and I sat down and I happened to have blue paper for some reason in my house. And I wrote a letter to baby number one. I wrote a letter to baby number two. And it was a moment when I signed them, love mommy. It was the first time I ever used that word. And, you know, it wasn't <laughs> technically a mommy yet. And I carried them. Uh, I, I carried the letters. I see that too. Don't worry. I carried them um, down to the pier. And, uh, you know, I threw the first one in and I felt sick to my stomach. Like, 
just totally sick, like nauseous. You know, I said goodbye. You know, I said my words, whatever. And the the letter went floating under the pier. And I waited a couple minutes and um, said goodbye to the second, you know, letter. And I threw that under the pier. And I, uh, that one went under the pier too. Like they just floated under there. So I went walking off the pier and something hit me at the end of the pier. Like I was like, I gotta go back. I need to go back and look for them. And and I knew my therapist would be like, No, <laughs> the process is you say goodbye and you walk back and you start new. But I was like, Nope, I'm going. And so I went and I um went back to the end of the pier and I looked out and I kid you not, like out a bit way out, I saw my two blue letters together floating and riding the waves and. I, I just, I believe in science. And I said to myself, okay, those letters were thrown in the water minutes apart, but they found each other under the pier, my two boys, and they were out just having fun, riding the waves. And I'm like, you know, like, this is them letting me know, like, mom, we're okay. And I thought, you know, like, maybe my healthy boy had to take care of my sick son. You know what I mean? And they were like, we're okay, mom. We'll meet you someday down the line. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, it was deep it was deep it was yeah it was but it was necessary and uh yeah my therapist was was pretty amazing it's again thank you for sharing that story because like i said i listened to that story and it actually brought like tears to my eyes and i had to stop because it 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 brought me back to so many different points in our in our in just in our lives and you've gone through so much and so many people have gone through so much in life that we forget to realize like we are meant to go through hell so we could get to better life on the other side and yeah the fact that you've gone through that and the fact that you've been able to share this story and, and you've gone so far and just opening up about, you know, this is completely normal and it's completely okay to go through this. It, it is okay to not be okay because yep. at the end, you're That's going right. to be okay. Yep, exactly, and exactly. Can, can you just go a little bit for, our, you know, for our dads, for our listeners out there about like, how your husband was handling a lot of this and like mm-hmm. any other tips that, that, that he might've used that might be able to help somebody else that might be going through something like this. You know, I try to, I try to think of that. And I, I say this in the episode that my husband was, my husband's a saint. I mean, he's Superman and I didn't realize it at the time, but, and I will tell you too, I, I even had my boss who's very, uh, he could be brash at times, but in a good way. One time we met up for lunch and he's like, Carol, I just want to let you know, like a lot of guys would have left by now. Because, I mean, we were on, like, the sixth random crazy miscarriage. And he's like, whether it's financially, whether it's emotionally, like, he's like, you got a good guy. And it was great to hear, you know, because I needed that. Because you're so caught up in, oh, my God, my eggs, my this, my egg retrievals. Like, you kind of forget about the guy, you know, sitting there (laughs) in bed next to you. And, um, you know, my husband, I just, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what advice he'd give. He basically just went with everything you know we he just went along with everything but then I find him at times upset and I knew you know Christmas was tough because we kept saying this Christmas next Christmas we'll have a baby and then we wouldn't and um but I mean I think the one thing he did even more so than me was he kept an open mind like he was the one who taught me if we want to become parents we can become parents you know and we were living in LA and we were going through this um we read right it was right around Christmas time and there was two women exercising like out in the Compton area of LA and they heard a cat like it was in the evening they heard a cat somewhere in the leaves and the one woman said that's not a cat that's a newborn and they went on a frantic search and lo and behold they found the newborn 
that had been abandoned. And I remember my husband saying, that's our baby. Let's go find that baby. You know, and we right. called like LA child protective. We're like, we'll give this baby the best life, you know? And, and they were like, well, you have to go through two months of training. And we're like, oh yeah, I guess we forgot about that part. But my husband always had an open mind. You know, he always said like, whether it was to the surrogacy, whether it was, um, you know, to adoption or anything else like he's just like we're becoming parents you know you tell me how much further you want to go with (laughs) putting yourself through this so um that's what that's my advice to everybody though and i wish i had more male specifically so i wish you could talk to him because you know he's the one who i i don't know i mean i know he held a lot inside you know i mean it makes me want to cry like he was he was such a warrior because yeah if it's if it's the woman who's having the issues, you get so caught up in the process of it that you kind of forget um, about him a little bit, you know. And I, we had we had right. a couple of friends going through it when we were, and they didn't last, you know. And I remember being like, "Wow, like this this shit's hard. It's financially hard." Um, you know, for us, it, we were lucky in that we both worked, and so I looked at it like this is my issue, like my money I make we'll go towards all the IVFs and everything else. And then his money we lived off of, you know, so financially we made it work, but it's mentally it's, it's, it's it's a rat race. It it becomes rough. And it's, it's, um, I guess, I mean, we took our vows seriously, you know, this was in sickness and in health and this was something we never expected. I remember before our wedding, we, you know, everyone fights before they get married. The movies make it seem like planning a wedding is the greatest <laughs> thing ever. It was the worst flipping yes, six is. months of my life, okay, with all the personalities and family members. And and we were fighting over, like, a financial thing. And it was, like, a month before the wedding and about spending money and this and that. And, and also just, you know, how we're separating accounts when we get married, all that kind of crap. And not the fun wedding stuff. And right. his older cousin called us and he said, if you two – like are in such a bad place fighting over this shit you have no idea what's ahead of you in marriage and i'll never forget him saying that because at the time i was like well what does he mean like what could be so bad like we want to kill each other and call it the wedding right now and it's like he was right like look at you know look at the right. your journey we went through and i'm like that's what gus meant and he you know so um yeah and that's what he meant you know you're either in it you know you, 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 or die or you, you don't half ass a marriage. You whole ass you whole ass totally. the situation. Whole totally. ass the situation. Yeah. And and those are those are the ones that really make, you know, just to kind of wrap all this up today, those are the ones that really make the relationship stronger because you've gone through hell and back. You've, That's you've right. fought the That's demons. Right. And the fact that you could go through that and you know, you both battle through your shit, but when you could actually sit there and have a conversation and say, you know what? And and I think that's what the I think that's like the nice summary of this episode today is you could go through hell and back. You could fight. You could, you could be beaten down and somebody's going to say, it may not be up to you to have this kid, but God damn it. We're going to have a kid one way or another. And there's not just one way to get to a solution. There are multiple ways to get to the same solution. And Carol, I just want to, I just want to, I want to thank you for being on the show too. I want to have you on the show again, because you know, (laughs) outside of the zoom and kind of being limited today. Yeah. I think there's so much more that we could share for our listeners on this, yeah. but if there's any other one piece of information that you could give to our listeners today, what would that be before we close this out? Oh gosh. Um, I don't know. just know that everything happens for a reason, truly. And I mean, that's what I said to my husband. I said, listen, we're going to be 90 sitting in a retirement home someday. 
and our child is going to become a scientist who's going to be so enthralled with how he came about, you know, the miracle of science, and he's going to cure us some big disease, and we're going to look at each other and say, all oh, that pain was worth it. You know what I mean? Like, you never know. It, it always makes sense. It always makes sense in the end, and and we'll see, you know, but but it's all happy now, but... <laughs> You got to go through hell to get through the happiness. That's that's the way I believe it. Yeah. And your, yeah. your your vulnerability leads to your biggest strength, I think, are some of the biggest takeaways for today's episode. Thank you for so, having me. Carol, I want to thank you for being on the show because honestly, this was, I, I would say it's a blast, but obviously this was a very deep topic to talk yeah. about. But this, this no, is stuff sure. that I love to talk about because again, nobody talks about this shit. Yep. So the fact that we could share this with our listeners, with yourself, guys, if you're listening to this, make sure you go check out her podcast. The Hollywood Sports Moms podcast. You can find that at hollywoodsportsmoms.com. That'll be at the description of this episode as well as anything else. All of our socials will link there as well, too. Go out there, share this podcast, share your stories. Even if you don't share it with us, share it with people that might need this information because we need to talk about this more and yep. more. 100%. Thank you very much for listening. Thank Great you very much for you. being Thanks on, Carol. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having on again. We're going to have you on again very shortly. Okay. Sounds and, great. And until next time, guys, let's rethink fatherhood.